life in three dimensions got me bent and got me twisted. I don't want to set a lot, but I should probably stop pretending. I don't really hold the key and I can't really push a button. I just step up to the mic and try my very best to bust it, but I ran out of breath. It's tight in my chest. My feet just might fail. I can't stand up. Welcome back, everyone, to Racially Speaking. We have real and honest conversations about race as it's viewed through the lenses of faith, family, and vocation. As always, I'm your host, David Phipps. And uh, look, first, prayers up for John Mark. Um, He was supposed to make his way back and join me, but look, I jinxed him a couple episodes ago. And I think I said this in my one I put out a couple days ago, but uh, he's got COVID, him and his whole family. So prayers up for them. They've all been... Got it, got it at the same time. So um, hopefully they knock it all out quickly, make a big comeback, but be thinking about him. Uh, we miss him. We're going to miss him in this conversation. But rest assured, it's not been too long if you are a regular listener, but I am joined by everyone's favorite guest, <laughs> truly pretty much guest, co-host, your, your family on this, mm-hmm. on this show, especially the Alethea. Lamberson, Leith, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks, David. What's up, y'all? Um, like I said before, it's always good to to be back on the Racially Speaking Pod. Always feel honored when you ask me to join. Missing you, John Mark. Um, yes. Gotten used to you being in here in our conversation, so praying for you, bud. But yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he's going to miss... He always misses being here, but who knows how much he'll miss having this conversation once we mm-hmm. get into it. I, no, I think he'll miss it. He, he'll yeah. miss it. We love, we love you, John Mark. We do. Um, all right. Before we hit record, Leith, you said you got questions down or we're just going to roll with it. And usually we have some set like, okay, we know where we're going, what topics, maybe what questions we're going to bounce off each other. But today uh, I just kind of wanted to, we're just going to kind of go for it even more than usual and roll with, I mean, it's not like we don't know what we're going to talk about, but kind of take the conversation where it goes as we usually do, but more so than usual. Um, so I'll set us up a little bit. Um, first, a couple of days ago, I put out a episode on my own, just uh, solo. First time I've ever done that. Probably the last time I ever do that. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, anyway, it, this is a little bit of a follow-up to that one. It was kind of a, I just put out a real honest kind of state of the union of myself mm. and my heart for what's been going on the past couple of weeks. It came directly after, you know, I think was it Friday that the body cam footage of the murder of Tyree Nichols was released by the Memphis police department. Also following a slew of other things that have really just happened even if we stuck with only 2023. So it, it, mm. it's been a lot as it relates to things we've even already unpacked here on um, the podcast. And that if you're somebody that follows these, these stories and care about social justice in any way, you are well aware of all this stuff going on. And, you know, Leith, we're going to get into this, but I hit a wall this past weekend as mm-hmm. I shared a little bit. So oh, I say all that. So if you haven't listened to the episode, you don't need to. Could be helpful with some of the things we'll, we'll allude to, but you also don't need to, but just want to put that out there and um, follow Leith on social media. She's, you, Leith, you put out a great 
much shorter mm-hmm. video also on some of your kind of raw thoughts um, mm-hmm. on where you were at. So I love that video as well. Mm-hmm. But um, look, there's, <laughs> there's a lot going on. And one to kind of follow up that is I've had a few days you've had few days, four or five days, however long it's been. I don't even know what day of the week it is now. Wednesday. No, Tuesday. Yeah. When we're recording. And um, so have some time to process, think through some stuff. But what I don't want to do is just move on. We both have to move on, but don't want to completely move on and put that in the review mirror so quickly. So wanted to actually have a conversation um, to follow up kind of my my processing personally. And I think it will hopefully be helpful to everyone listening. So lethal, I mean, I'll start here. How are you doing? Hmm. And we'll start kind of broad and then go a little more specific, maybe even just following um, your thoughts that you posted. What it was like, was it Saturday Saturday, or Friday even? Okay. Yep. On how you're doing. And this is following right after the body cam footage of what happened to Tyree Nichols in Memphis was released. Yeah. How am I doing? You know, always a loaded question um, that I Mm -hmm. think I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out, honestly. Um, You know, I I can kind of share even leading up to where I'm at right now, but, you know, I had seen on social media, uh, they were, you know, this like would pop up, you know, like uh, Memphis police officers, you know, uh, pull over Ty- Tyree Nichols and then three days later he, he dies and so I would see it pop up and I'm like I just I don't I just don't even want to gauge it and so I was trying to avoid it and you can only avoid it so much when you're on social media when it gets to the point when they are prepping you for the footage to be released and I knew I wasn't going to watch it um, mm-hmm. but I started seeing people's reactions to it and hearing what people were saying about it on Instagram and on TikTok so I was like why don't I'm not going to watch it, but I now have an idea um, of just how horrific it is. Um, And some people still don't understand, you know, putting up the sensitive content warning or trigger warnings when they post certain things. So I saw a couple of things I wish I wouldn't have seen. Mm -hmm. And really what, what started to happen for me on Friday was um, I had just finished reading, I was reading one of my friend's books and I had just read this like really beautiful chapter. I was like deep in my feels and so I like put it down, just like kind of soak it in. And a few minutes later I got on, I think it was TikTok. And I just felt this kind of wave come over me of, okay, I, I don't want to deal with this. And it, just like feeling the numbness was coming quickly, being desensitized to such violence and tragedy. And so what I did was I called one of my friends. I said, I need to talk to another black person. Hmm. So I called one of my dear friends and she didn't answer right away. So I was like, oh, who else can I call? And then she called me back a few minutes later and we had a really good conversation that started out very much like, how do we not be numb and desensitized to this um, and be frustrated that we're Mm. now we're, we're having this like similar conversations that we had three years ago. And our conversation ended with one of like encouragement and hope. And I wasn't expecting that. And so I think that's part of what kind of helped propel me when I went into Saturday and it was just still lingering over me, but I was like, I need to process. Like, and what do I need to? Okay, I'm talking to people, but man, I think I need to say something on social media. And so 
that's what prompted my little 10 minutes of just observations I've been making. It actually really helped me. Like I got out of the house. I was at a park a few minutes away from my house. So being outside like was good for my body and my mind. Um, I knew I needed that and I knew I needed to articulate what uh, I was seeing and uh, in a way that I was being very direct, but it was very gracious in the way that I was being direct. But I think I had just yeah. hit a point where I I want to help people and I, I want to help educate people. Um, but there comes a point where it's like people just really aren't trying to learn, you know, like I don't want to keep talking about the history of policing because mm. we talked about that three years ago. And we've talked mm-hmm. about it since then before just a few days ago. The social construct of race. Race isn't prevalent because there's five black officers. I'm like, okay, have y'all read anything since 2020? You know, like I just, mm-hmm. I'm feeling some of that. And so, you know, even today I was talking with one of my best friends and she was making an observation about how I was processing. And I just told her like, I, I feel things, but I don't really know how to name it at the moment. But I think part of what's helping me even today is I've still been able to find like levity in my day. Um, like just mm-hmm. I had quiet time this morning, just intentional time uh, sitting with the Lord. I needed it. Um, I worked out. I listened to music. I laughed with friends. Like those things have been helping me, but it mm-hmm. doesn't mean the cloud of what we're dealing with in our country has left. And so it's helping me stay afloat, I think. Um, but I feel a few different things and I don't, nothing, it's not one specific thing. It's kind of a number of things that kind of throughout the day I feel pop up. And so just trying to be aware enough to respond to it when I need to and I, and keep asking myself, what do I feel like I need? So even when you mm. said, hey, you want to hop on the pod? I knew it was a yes. It's always a yes. But like, especially after listening to what you shared, um, I'm like, man, to be able to talk, be in community with people who are doing similar work, we need to be able to be honest and have these conversations and talk about this stuff together. So I, as hard as this is, I was looking forward to this time even because I was like, this, uh, this is actually helpful for my processing too. So good. that's how I'm doing. <laughs> no, appreciate it. Um, that's always the hope to anyone that comes on here. Um, I hope it is not even... Uh, not even just for times like now, especially for times like now, but that it's uh cathartic therapeutic mm-hmm. for anybody that comes on. So love to hear that. Um, can you, I mean, can you share, cause I think this would be helpful um, selflessly for me, but then I think others will mm-hmm. relate to this, but like going from feeling pretty worried about being too desensitized mm-hmm. or maybe not having hope and then talking to your friend, like, can you pinpoint at all what allowed you to leave that conversation feeling hopeful? Cause you said, I actually left kind of hopeful. It sounded like maybe you didn't expect to leave that way. I don't think either of us expected to, to leave to, for our conversation to end the way that it did. Cause when she, when she answered the, we were on FaceTime when she answered and she was just shaking her head. She was just fret. She's like, I'm just frustrated. And, um, I think we had space to be honest with how we were feeling, um, whether it's frustration, whether it was the wrestling of how do we not just be numb and desensitized to it, to her sharing how she just knows like for such a time as this, for this is what she is called and committed to with the work that she does and the way that she does it. Mm -hmm. 
And so um, she wants to be faithful to that. And so when she said that, it just, it shifted something in me um, of, I, I can, it does feel hopeless at times. And it does, like we both talked about, like the things that we want to see change, like it feels so, so far off. So does this matter what we do? You know, her creative work, me doing a podcast, me being a consultant. um, Yeah. Like, does, does that matter? And we both were able to encourage one another to say it does because God has given us skills and gifts and there's unique ways that we get to use those. And Mm -hmm. so even if we don't see police reform tomorrow, later this year, next year, we can, Mm -hmm. we can hold space for our lament, for our frustration, for the, like, is this actually ever going to change? And at the same time, be faithful to what God's asked us to do in our lives right now with what he's given us. And, and I just wasn't, yeah, I really wasn't expecting that. And so I think when I, I felt that shift in the conversation where she just started sharing and I was like, yeah, what we do matters, but it matters The the enemy would really want us to be like, okay, we're done. Just, you know, close up shop, start, you know, put the mics away, you know, don't do consulting work. You know, I'm a DEI consultant. And so, you know, it's, I could do that, but I think it, again, it was just something that was happening in the midst of our conversation where, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I would say as someone who is a faithful person, I think it was a Holy spirit moment for the both of us that helped us come above what some of the initially what we were feeling. It didn't make those things go away per se, but it really yeah. helped us to focus and say like, but what has God asked us to do? And if people don't care, they don't care, but there are people who do. So mm, yeah, we're going to keep, let's say committed to what we feel the Lord's asked us to do. And so yeah. that, that's, uh, that's how we got to where we were. And we both just like, we literally said at the end, like, man, I really need that conversation. Like I'm, I actually feel really encouraged now. That was super helpful. She's like, thanks for calling me, you know? So <laughs> I was just calling to like that and be like, how, yeah. how, how do I not just act like this doesn't matter when it does? I know that it does. Um, And those, I want to be honest too, like that, and I appreciate David, if y'all didn't listen to what David shared, I I mean, I texted you at 10 minutes in and said, thank you for your Mm. honesty. Um, Because I I don't, sometimes I don't think either we're not honest enough, those of us who are in this space doing the work that we do, um, or I don't know if people who don't do this type of work realize some of the things that we, we wrestle with, you know, internally. Mm. And so I appreciated how honest you were of like, is this podcast worth it? Like, is it worth it to keep talking about this stuff? Because here we are. And I think that's a very real thing that we need to be able to articulate, but not stay there. Right. And I actually, um, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. King's book, where do we go from here? Chaos or community? I picked Mm -hmm. that up yesterday morning and, um, it's one of his best works. I would say he's done. He obviously did incredible stuff, but, what he's doing in what he does in the beginning of that book, he says, where are we? And so he's mm-hmm. recounting it's 1967. And so he's like, Hey, here's where we are. You know, he says, Lyndon B. Johnson signed the voting rights act of 1965. And basically everyone thought oh, everything we're good. And mm-hmm. then he was like, and a year later, here's where we are. But does that mean we haven't made progress? Cause then he goes, well, let's look back 10 years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. We were not where we are now. And so it, it, it was helpful for me 
I, I need to go back to people like that. I think that's what I, I, where I'm at is I need to engage real time with people who are doing it. And I need to also continue your minded and learn from the people who've gone before me, who mm-hmm. had the same questions, I believe, who wrestled with some of the same things, um, who fought for bills to be passed and then to see the actual, them actually be applied take years to come mm-hmm. to fruition. And, he t- and that's, Dr. King talks about that, you know, when Brown v. Um, B. B. Board was, you know, uh, desegregation, des- desegregation of schools, the Supreme Court said, well, we'll just give it to the states, though, and then they can determine at what rate they want that to happen. So he's talking mm-hmm. about in some, some schools yeah. it was quick and some it was years later that they were desegregated. So anyways, yeah. I, I just, I think it's important for us to be honest about where we're at and make sure we don't get stuck there, you know? Um, yeah. But I, I don't want us to not be human, you know? Yeah. I think that's the part, that's a very human response, like what yeah. you shared and what we're talking about, so. Well, it wasn't, it was helpful for me to do that, I think, but at the same time, like I didn't, I didn't want to in the sense of like, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be, in that place. And like, on that note, like I'll say for me, it was really helpful to have a similar couple, several similar conversations. Like the one you said you had with your friend that I kind of um, stumbled into, like it, for me, it wasn't like a planned one. Like, okay, I need to talk to somebody. It was actually catching up with uh, one of my mentors and they, somebody that would ask that would be somebody that would ask me how I'm doing in the midst of stuff. But uh, you know, this person asked me how I was doing. I think it was in um, relation to the shootings in California mm-hmm. that were affecting the Asian community. And I appreciated it. And then, but, you know, to be honest, like on that note, I was kind of, I was kind of just like, I kind of feel numb because mm-hmm. it's, it was different. Like I, on that alone, I was kind of talking about like, you know, I appreciate you you asking like, it's not, it doesn't feel the same as like an, an outright hate crime. Um, like, you know, it's been done in Atlanta mm-hmm. or towards the, uh, towards the Asian community or obviously in Buffalo more recently mm-hmm. towards the black community. So like, doesn't make it better, but I was like, I'm just much more concerned with mass shootings happening every mm-hmm. single day. Um, all of that. And yes, mass shootings affect, as I mentioned, communities of color disproportionately, mm-hmm. And that's a, a different conversation, but I'm just more overwhelmed with, of course, I heard for the community that the Asian American, Asian communities that are hurting in the midst of that stuff. But I was more in the side of, or not side, but in the frame of mind of, I don't necessarily personally feel as emotional or grieved as I have in the past for, you know, specific hate crimes. And then I kind of went that kind of, this person didn't mean to put me in that position, in that state, but it, kind of sent me down that path of which I ended up sharing on that episode of wait a second like what does any of this matter this is after Mm. we knew that the Tyree Nichols video was coming out and all that had happened I had followed stories which I feel like has gotten swept under the rug but uh Keenan Anderson Mm -hmm. um who was tased and passed away and tased to death and passed Mm -hmm. away in the hospital in cardiac arrest um being desensitized to more and more stories like that. And then as I've seen, um, you know, the statistics on police brutality being up Mm -hmm. and just all these things. And then I think just the 
tipping point as I was literally processing some, some things kind of just off the cuff was just like, all this is pointless. Like all, like all this is pointless. And I just had to like, I almost, I said that out loud to this person. I was like, what is the point? Like, why should I keep going? And it wasn't, I want people to understand like the human side of it is like, I wasn't even in a place of doubting overall hope. I don't mm-hmm. know if this is where you were at. Like I wasn't in a place of doubting all of life or like that God is not in control or that there's not hope. It was literally on like on me in a sense of mm-hmm. what is the point of having, you know, this size platform, which is not large and having these conversations was the point of any sacrifice I make or we make in these spaces mm-hmm. when the needle is moving backwards. And so I say all that because it, it is helpful because I think head knowledge wise, I knew that, okay, all these, you know, the MLKs and stuff like went through this, all these older people, it's not even me to feel like this. If I can't, you know, they went through all this stuff, but still in my mind, I'm like, there's something like, I feel uncomfortable comparing me to that. Like that's also doesn't feel helpful. Like Mm -hmm. to feel like, Oh, well, this is what Dr. King went through or something. It's like, Mm -hmm. I just, I just want to live my life. I don't, (laughs) I didn't, but then I forget, like you said, they were asking the same questions. They, they also wanted to not be in this space Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And it doesn't matter, you know, if you're a civil rights leader and everyone Mm -hmm. knows who you were or anything in between. So, I mean, I say all that to say like, I, it was helpful to have over these few years had a community around me that I felt Mm -hmm. comfortable being that honest with in a way that was just free to, say all that with and knowing that any scripture or pointing to God that was going to be said to me was real and genuine. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a band-aid fix of like, look, you know, God works everything out and mm-hmm. you're going to be fine, which is yeah. true. But you know, it was real. And it was like specific scripture. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh man. Okay. I didn't even know that I was in there. Okay. That's <laughs> speaking directly to where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't also wasn't somebody that was going to just, say oh yeah you should yeah you're right you're not mm-hmm. doing it you should step back and don't think twice mm-hmm. but it was somebody else like entering in of like here's why what you're doing is important it's good you need to you need to keep going mm-hmm. don't like don't be essentially fooled by the yeah. lies of yeah. this mm-hmm. doesn't matter even even when i pushed back they were ready like <laughs> in a way of a loving way of like mm-hmm. of like i hear you make me understand that that is true. Like you can mm. tell me all this matters. Like, you, like that feels, that feels nice. I'm not fishing for that. Like, tell me why you think it, you think this matters. Like I, cause all I see is 2020. Mm-hmm. That's when everyone understand, un- understood racism. Right. That's when everyone understood police <laughs> that's what, brutality. That's what they said. In history. Yeah. <laughs> And that's when all this legislation is going to happen. This is going to stop happening. Like that's the silver lining of George Floyd's murder. And then here we are, like you said, three years later, having the exact same conversations in the exact same scenario. And that was the catalyst for a lot of stuff. I think we do. It just, it hit me like a brick wall Mm. and I didn't see it coming. Mm. And I thought, yeah, what's the point? Like it's Mm -hmm. because the sacrifice it takes to, do something like this to me isn't worth it that that 
some people can throw some headphones in and hear some stories mm. and and get a little bit of head knowledge of like, oh, okay, I understand where, you know, the plight of people of color a little better. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And not it not translating into legislation, police yeah. reform, gun reform, mm-hmm. and, and all this. And so for the sake of in danger of repeating everything I've already put out, um, I, I do want people to actually hopefully walk away with some, like on that note, with some kind of way forward. We don't have all the answers, but no, I would, I would wonder, okay, so there's a lot of different topics flying around out there about um, specifically like with the uh, Tyree Nichols uh, footage being released and the different elements that happened surrounding all of that. Mm-hmm. Um not sure like exactly where to start. Like what are your thoughts on um you've posted about this, so, like we'll start with this like history of policing. And I don't want to spend too much time here, but mm-hmm. I, I I do want to make sure everyone tracks and we're on the same same page. So the five officers mm-hmm. that were um have been arrested, fired, charged for for his murder were all uh all black men, all black officers. Naturally, people are saying, okay, this instance isn't a race problem because they're all black. Mm-hmm. How would you um <laughs> eloquently and as you said, gently, <laughs> gently <laughs> um in your in your words explain the mis conception of that sentiment yeah um so i my first (laughs) my first thing would be to push people to um you know go research the history of policing uh so what you're gonna find is uh slave patrols and Mm -hmm. so um essentially this was instituted to control those who were enslaved and so there was this this uh sentiment of like c- controlling the black body right if you can you dehumanize yeah. it but you can control it too and you make it do what you want it to do i.e we have slavery and that's why this country is begun to be so wealthy right like that was the start of it and so um you know obviously pe- there were people who were enslaved were trying to escape and so it was all about control and so that's the that's the the roots, the foundation of policing, right? Obviously it has evolved. Everything evolves, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, slavery evolved into mass incarceration. Um, Another conversation for another time, but that Mm -hmm. would be my first thing, because if you, if you look into the history of policing, you look at slave patrols, it was not just white people who were on slave patrols. They actually had black people who would chase other black people who were trying to escape from slavery. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when people say, well, race doesn't matter because officers are black. Um, There's someone who, oh, I forget. I saw it on Instagram or TikTok uh, a day or two ago. And they were, it was TikTok. They were referencing an Ice Cube song. And and essentially Ice Cube's reference to if you NWA NWA song. Yeah. Yeah. So ice cubes (laughs) rapping in this, in this part of the song and I'm going to paraphrase, but he's essentially talking about if you have an interaction with the police, 
you should actually hope it's a white one because there's something mm. that happens when, and this is not true for all black police officers. Let me be clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, but because of the foundation and the roots of policing, there's something that happens inside some officers who are black um, for a variety of reasons. And, and so that's what I would say for people you have, they, it does matter because there's the connection that's all connected to, right? So the history of policing plus race, it's all connected, but you have to under, understand where it started to understand how it's playing out today. And so for me, I, I, I saw when they showed the faces of the officers and it was five black ones. I, I mean, I felt a range of emotions, but I wasn't surprised. Like I wasn't mm. surprised that five black men could do that to another black man. It did not shock me at all because I've seen that play out in other instances. And so there's something about maybe putting on that badge. It's you have this uh, feeling of superiority of power, but what they found out was they don't actually get off as quickly, easily as their white counterparts, mm -hmm. because I don't know any case and someone, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I haven't seen any case where the action of firing charging was so fast, mm -hmm. like so yeah. fast, like, like that. And so eerily, eerily fast. Yeah. I was like, huh, that's interesting. So also pay attention to that. Again, race is a factor in the com yeah. in this conversation, in this situation, yeah. even in that right there of how quickly they were fired and charged with second degree murder among mm -hmm. a few other charges. That means something like we can't gloss over that. You gloss over it. If you don't understand the social construct of race, why race was even became a social construct 17, 17, somewhere in the 1700s, the first census is when race became a thing in this country. Um, and so it's, again, it's all connected. And so that's what I would, I would encourage people. That's where you need to start. Um, and not try to dissect or separate, uh, someone in a police uniform from, from their race. Cause they, they, unfortunately they go hand in hand. Um, so that, that's where I would, yeah. my encouragement would be to start. Yeah. You have to connect the, if you were pushing back at all, before you you have to be willing to connect the power dynamic with policing mm -hmm. um i know uh, power or privilege all those are buzzwords now but you you have to be willing <laughs> to to go there yeah and see that uh the the badge the the blue is is the problem not all police like you said yeah. be clear not all police but the structure from the beginning if it's if the foundation was used to corral slaves and to um use black bodies um for you know at at their disposal at those in power's disposal then the system was built this way it's not just a tagline the system was built this way and the people that say repeatedly that it is functioning exactly how it was built to that's why like that's not just uh you know hyperbole out there it's like no that that's literally fact and that's that doesn't take reading a whole book that takes like doing mm -hmm. some loose loose uh research um i did want to say something like my, my observation was when i saw that all five police officers were black i was i was 
I I won't say shocked, but I was surprised in the sense of, um, you know, I, I feel like, so I, I haven't seen or like, uh, it it was a surprising thing because I feel like the bigger stories, at least with priest brutality are not always like the ones I've seen at least aren't with, um, black officers usually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was surprised in this, that they, I was surprised. Like you're mm-hmm. saying, not because um, they were police officers, but surprised how personal and how deep. And I'd wonder, you know, me not being black, but I would just imagine it was a different kind of disorienting to see any part of the video or or read about it. I, I um, did, also did not watch but stuff I've heard about it, um, the sound, I don't know if you've heard this at all, but I heard that if you listened to any of it, even you could hear just the tone of the officers Mm. as they continued to brutalize Tyree Nichols, that their vernacular even sounded just kind of like it was just a fun activity. Mm. Like, seen a headline like that he they referred to him as you know the human pinata for these guys mm. and that the vernacular was just like uh, i don't want to try to like say it but it was like a game like the mm. level of dehumanization that was yeah. going on there was just like it was i can't even think of a proper word and so t- i would imagine that was disorienting it was disorienting for me you know again mm. it was somebody who's not black to see like what like i would just imagine that i would assume i mean there's five of them that there's some level in their family even of how they were raised i'm assuming of like that that's i'm just assuming there's got to be some of their parents or caretakers or whatever in their family just grieving in a different way Mm -hmm. because they had to have had to talk about how to navigate the police as young black men growing up or mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It was just to me, I was like, how, how did it come to this? And mm-hmm. so that was, that was kind of the shocking part of just the, mm-hmm. not that it happened, but then when I heard about what the sound sounded like of just mm-hmm. like, Oh man, it sounded like it was a sporting event. Like, Oh man, mm-hmm. like I got, I got, you know, a couple shots in or, you know, all oh, this, I think they were talking about, um, no, oh man, he was, he was, he was strong. And like, I, I don't mm. like, I think I pulled a muscle or something. And wow. That was just uh, a different level and that hard to hear, but then also um, I think gives motivation for uh, more of urgency to understand how deep this runs yeah. and that it's hard to enter or to take time explaining like you did so eloquently, but like explaining what I think we consider basic level stuff that we just have to be willing to do on our own to mm-hmm. then understand how to move forward. Um, yeah. yeah. Let me, let me speak to, yeah, just from real quick, what you were saying, Yes. just not being black and, and just even hearing that. And I didn't, mm-hmm. I heard that I heard of the, I think laughed. I, I just, I hadn't even heard some of that, which like really grieves me. It also confirms like there's a few things that I think, again, uh, some assumption, informed assumption. I don't know if that can be a thing, but um, 
I I feel that there's there is some level of self hate for you to mm. look at someone who is in the same skin that you are and yeah. to not view them as a human. I don't I don't know those five officers. I don't know what their upbringing was like. I don't know what what they do. You know what's happened to them. Um, but you have to come to some point of hating yourself to be able to enact such violence and yeah. brutalize someone like that. And then to make it a game, essentially like you have this man pinned down handcuffed and there's five of you with guns and tasers and batons. Mm-hmm. And you think this is fun. So to me, there's some level of, of hating yourself that you have now found power in that. Um, a, a book I'm reading right now, two of my dear friends, uh, Maya Moore Irons and Jonathan Irons wrote a book mm. called love and justice. Uh, Maya is one of my best friends. Uh, and Jonathan has become like a brother to me and they co-wrote this book and Jonathan was, um, wrongfully arrested and wrongfully incarcerated for 23 and a half years, got a 50 year prison sentence, uh, for something he did not do. Uh, he was released, um, and Jul- on July 1st, 2020. And I've gotten to do life with Jonathan for the last almost three years. There's a wow. lot I don't know uh, about what he experienced in prison. And he's sharing a very firsthand account of his own experience in prison along with other people. And I've been reading the book and the anger I have felt um, as he has described what he experienced in prison, what other people who are incarcerated experience from COs. And I was talking to, to Maya and I just was like, how, like, how'd you guys do this? You know, like I'm reading it now after he's out and I just feel such rage at the way he and others were treated. Um, And we talked about that. There's some, in some of those CEOs, there's some level of you were bullied, you become the bully. You have, you don't love yourself. And so you respond out of that. Mm. And, um, and so I give that example of, I feel similarly with these officers, um, which to me, it, it makes me sad in a lot of ways. Um, but there's some form of hate within you for you to do what you do, what they did. And then to laugh about it. Um, and, and power when it is not, uh, used properly, corrupts people and systems Mm -hmm. and structures and institutions. And I would say there is a power that comes with being a police officer because the law as, as a jacked up as it is sometimes is on your side. I mean, we have what qualified immunity for police officers. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is a problem in our country. Another thing (laughs) thing that was brought up that hasn't been touched. Yeah. um, Yeah. So that needs to obviously be dealt with. But there's a power that comes with becoming a police officer, putting on the badge, having having all that on your side where you can get away with things that you should not be able to get away with. And um, it mars it for those who actually hold that power and steward it mm-hmm. in a way that actually um, upholds laws and, and, and values people, right? Like there are so many that do that. And then there's a lot like these five who don't. And so, um, but there's a, when you don't know how to, steward the power that you have you do stuff like that because you you think you're gonna get away with it you don't do something like that and think you're gonna get in trouble 
That's the other thing. So, so to me, you do that. And then the EMTs yeah. and Sergeant who also have now been fired. I saw. Yeah. Um, cause really it's the whole system that's corrupt. Um, they didn't administer any care to him, to Tyree Nichols. So what was it that the officer said to you or what hate do you have in yourself that you see someone laying on the ground in the state that he was in and waited however, I forget how long it was before you said, oh, let's put him in the ambulance and take him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't fathom how, <laughs> how you can do that and then see that and not re, not react in a way that is to help a person. So again, sorry, I'm, I still don't quickly respond to that, but it just, no, that's great. Um, yeah, it's a self hate in a lot of ways. And I've, you know, being, being black and, and learning about some of our history for so long. Um, there is this, that's why like where we do, like we talk about our affirmations or, you know, just trying to uplift, um, uplift one another in the black community. It's because for so long, we've been told to hate, hate ourselves. Like mm-hmm. you're only good if you do the, if you look this way and you do these things. And so we have a narrative that we have to fight from the very beginning. And for some people, they're able to overcome that and they're able to, to be proud of who they are and withstand all that comes their way. And there's others who like succumb to that in, a, in different ways. And then there's others who say, man, I just want some type of power. So what do I do? Where do I get that from? Okay. If my character is jacked up, that's also a character issue that what we saw. So my character is jacked up. No one's held me accountable. Now you're going to give me this type of power with this badge mm-hmm. and the law. I can do what it, I want. And I, and they did what they wanted. And then they had to find out the hard way that you don't get off as easily as your white counterparts. So that's where it's even all messed up too. So anyways, I'll get off my soapbox on that one, but um, I just literally, want to acknowledge that. Yeah. Literally it's the abuse of power. Yes. Like this, like there's, there's so much uh, like we're having right now, like so many things to talk about and so much nuance, so many different layers to it all. But it so often just comes back to some basic things mm-hmm. that I think we lose track of. Like it's like bullying. Where do we hear about bullying? Like we hear about bullying in elementary school yep. and the effects of that. Like mm-hmm. it seems like we can understand it at literally the elementary school level of how to teach that um, right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm aware this could sound like somewhat naive, but I'm just, I'm just being like being honest. And then, you know, do we, not teach you know equity and equality in some in some way i know there's a lot to um a lot of improvement needs to be made but like abusing power like i like that's like a right and wrong thing that you know i think we are supposed to be at least you know my kids are learning that in some way mm-hmm. right now in schools and so it's like mm-hmm. it's I, I can just see the it's so easy once you see it, like the path of, well, all this other stuff is just under the umbrella of corruption <laughs> mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to be honest. And like, it, if you're willing to see it, it's, you know, it's not a call to, you know, live in fear and criticize everything. It's just a call to see, Oh, Oh, this is like, the path is really not that hard to find mm-hmm. more, more often than not. Like when these, these, these types of things, you know, are coming up. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by our newly established Patreon. 
Look, if this podcast has been beneficial to you or someone you know at any point, or you simply just have a few extra dollars that you don't know what to do with, we invite you in to join our Patreon for as low as $1 a month. Look, every single dollar right now is literally going towards an amazing cause. That is not code for give us some money so that we can put it into our pockets and figure out what to do with it later. No, seriously, assuming that all of our equipment is not going to just break overnight, literally all of the money right now is going towards helping us give money to first-generation BIPOC college students to help purchase their textbooks each semester. As both of us hold, as both John Mark and I hold several jobs in the college space and university settings, um, this cause is just really, really very aligned with our heart for the podcast. Um, Although we are starting small, we really believe that the importance of generational change and education is a perfect way to launch this Patreon and this endeavor. So look, if this is something you are down with, please go over to patreon.com slash racially speaking right now to join that community. Is it fair to say like this is also kind of under the same umbrella of when people try to use people of color? specifically like you know black voices um to push you know a white agenda or something like i don't want to go i i really don't want to go that rabbit trail yeah. but like yes. connect it to like a candace <laughs> owens or you know somebody yeah like that uh, jason I, whitlock if you, <laughs> lord have mercy if you uh yeah don't listen to jason whitlock y'all don't know sports Please sports don't. people he's kind of a sports person but not really um yeah that's like that's not that feels more lighthearted than, you know, somebody mm-hmm. being brutalized by the police. But yeah. to me, that's connected. Like the sentiment is still the same. How it, you're how harm, it, you're, yeah. you're harming people. Yes. Like yeah. when you're up there saying what you're saying, like you're, you are harming people. And I think mm-hmm. there's also gotta be love, some level of self hate as well to say mm-hmm. some stuff, some stuff that some of the, some of those people say mm-hmm. on national television about yeah. their, their entire communities. I say, yeah. I say their communities, meaning, communities of people that look like them that they yeah. come from that they're willing to ostracize and throw under the bus literally for their platform and gain like it like mm-hmm. that's connected to this sentiment which i've just you know like i said we've talked about like this whole is this worth it thing like that's why i just keep trying to connect like yes i see the value in conversations individual heart change transformation like yes that that needs to happen like and I, I believe that's up to God. Like I can't change someone's mm-hmm. mind about something, but ultimately, like we just gotta be honest. Like justice at its core is a life and death matter. Mm. So like that's I think gotta be focused on at the right times. I'm not saying that to have us just always be down the dumps because mm-hmm. then we really wouldn't be able to do it. We wouldn't be able to move forward at all. But that's got to be especially in this case of like all right. Like the, there's nothing, nothing else to talk about because we, we need to figure the big issue out now. Like I know a lot of times we're told to like take these smaller steps, like be planned out. Yes, be planned out. But balancing the, that urgency is just for me right now, I just feel it <laughs> like in, in my bones. I'm just like, I don't want to talk about anything that is going to make not have us move quickly and have the result be the quick result be that less people 
die. Yeah. Oh. That that's that's real, David. And um, I said this when I shared my video. Um, Benjamin Crump, he's an attorney. He represents a lot of people when things happen like this, and it's happened a lot. Mm-hmm. And he, in one of his posts, I, um, he made a comment essentially of saying, "Like, I I hope this will be the catalyst for change." And my response to that to myself was why do black people have to be brutalized at the hands of the police for there to be some catalyst for change? And also didn't people say that same thing when George Floyd was murdered? Mm -hmm. So what actually is the catalyst for change then is my question. Um, And I think that's just a wrong, no shade to him at all. You know, I, I, cause I think underlying that is this like deep desire for this to change. So I'm not shaming him and him yeah, making yeah, yeah. that comment. Um, what I what I want to do though, and, and even naming that is, um, I, I don't. We're missing something if we keep saying that. When um, in this case, when it comes to police brutality, black and brown bodies are continuing to be killed, continue to be brutalized. I don't understand that sentiment when um, how many children have been killed at school and people say, I hope this will be the catalyst for change for gun reform and nothing mm-hmm. has happened. Yeah. Like we literally can take so many different examples and fill in the blanks there and ask the question, like, why does it have to be this and this and this and this to be a catalyst for change when people don't really want to change? And so I think it's a, I think it's a really challenging place to be in when we want to see this macro level change. I want to see that too. Like we need to see gun reform in this country. We need to see reform or completely changing the system of policing. Like we need these massive macro level changes. And I legit don't know if they're going to happen maybe in my Mm -hmm. lifetime. Right. And so I think there's that reality. Um, And then to wrestle with, okay, like how do I be faithful to what, what I, what's in front of me? And and keep praying and uh, doing the work in community um, to not let go of that, to not just say like, um, like it'll never happen or whatever, you know, but to still, to still try to be committed to what we're doing. And it's just, I think attention we we're going to be living in, you know, and, and people have, I think there are seasons for people where you have some people who commit their life to this work. And then you have some people who do this for a season and then things change, you know, for different reasons. Like, it does like people burn out. Like it, it, it does become too hard because there is a massive toll. Um, I don't know if you guys remember a Tatiana Jefferson, 2018, 2019, mm. uh, was playing with video games with her eight year old nephew neighbor did a called for a welfare check. Police shot and killed her. Um, so in her, in her house, in her house. Yeah. Yeah. So since since then her family was fighting for the officer to be held accountable. You know, uh, her nephew has been traumatized. Um, not long after she died, her father passed away. Um, not long after that, her mother died yesterday. Her sister died. All the reasons they attribute to congestive heart failure. Mm. The, the result. Yeah of now this young, he think he's 11 now. He's lost his mom, 
his aunt and his grandparents in the span of three years. Hmm. That's what that that's what you talk about life and death. Like that's what we're mm. talking about. That's yeah. the toll on communities of color who are disproportionately affected by all these things. And so I think for me, I see that and I see the wake of that. And to, and so I'm asking the questions, okay, Lord, this is what I feel called to and committed to with the work that I do, not just, uh, it's not a hobby. It's not anything like that. Like for the work that I do, um, and the, the, the spaces I have, like, I feel committed to that. Help me still to be faithful to that and to still engage and still challenge people. I'm not going to fight with people who don't want to learn. I think that's the shift I've made. Um, yeah. You know, and so, David, I think, I just want to encourage you, actually, is what I want to do right now. Um, not to minimize what you're wrestling with. And I think keep wrestling. Like, that's a good a good place to be. And I believe the Lord will meet you in that. Um and if something does need to, if you do need to make a change, you make a change and that's okay, you know, or you keep, you keep doing what you're doing, you know, and to trust that God is using this space with this podcast and other conversations you have locally in the work that what you're doing, you know, in, in your church, things like that. Um, I think to be reminded that it matters. Um, Cause I don't want to, I don't want to give up, uh, I don't give up hope, but I don't want to give up on, the opportunities we have to do, to do good. Right. And mm. to steward what we have in front of us for the time that we have it. Um, while also lamenting that we don't have gun reform in this country, that this country cares more about guns than it does its people. They say they don't, but that's true. A lot of people, um, our people don't want to see policing change cause they don't have an imagination for it. This is all we've known right? Mm -hmm. Violence is all this country has known. Like this country is literally founded on slavery and genocide. Mm. Like that, that's all this country knows. The second amendment is like Bible to people. Right. Um, and so that's what we're working against, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and that's hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of years that we're, that we're working against. Um, and yet we still keep fighting, right? Like we still keep doing the work. We still keep challenging people. We still keep um, trying to hold people accountable. And by God's grace, we will, some people will get elected into positions of power who are actually able to enact some of the change we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I, I, I want to, my optimism, which really is not around much these days, it's mm-hmm. coming up right now. So I'm just going to lean into that. Um, I'm a little optimistic that with um, the increase and like some of the understanding and even, you know, politics and things of that nature that we'll start to see, you know, some different elected officials into spaces. Cause that's really, that's part of what we need, right? Policies have to change. We need Mm -hmm. people who are going to be able to enact the change that we're talking about. We're going to need people in place where the George Floyd policing reform act doesn't sit on someone's Mm -hmm. desk for three years. Yep. In the same way that the voting, the new Voting Rights Act, after the Supreme Court gutted it from 1965, um, it, it sat for so long until it finally passed, I think, 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, it sat for se- like a handful of years. And so we need that, but we need people like us too. You know, like I, I think it, I think what we do matters. And I, 
I don't want us to miss that, but holding space for you in the like wrestling, I, I both can be true. Right. I think we can hold space for both of those things. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I appreciate you, uh, as always. And like I said, uh, it was a great reminder, you know, in the last few days through conversations I've had with, with people and the Lord and just my own time. I've also realizing that even the whole time I've done, you know, this podcast or the the other conversations I've either led or just had one-on-one and smaller groups. It could also be, I've realized, and it's been comforting, um, a disservice to those conversations to view those as Mm. not mattering. So it was a good, Mm. it was good, good. a healthy like conviction to realize, okay, I've, you know, I've prided, you know, myself on having this small space to have Mm -hmm. these conversations for people that um, need to hear them on a smaller platform. And, you know, people that, you know, I rub shoulders with or even know, and to look at it and be waver with, big news stories going on you know, like you said like i appreciate that like is human but it was comforting to realize okay like but these little little things do matter i'm mm-hmm. not in control of all of it mm-hmm. so who knows what difference they can make and also if they don't like i know that i know they have because i you know I, at least i believe that yesterday so it doesn't mean all that's untrue now because of you know everything going on so i mean that was that's been comforting and to uh you know having spent time cultivating like you said the community that we have across you know Mm -hmm. the internet here you know two separate podcasts i think even like the timeliness like we kind of coincided with when we started it inadvertently (laughs) mutual friends we have um and then you know the separate you know friends we've had that um I'm just really thankful for those communities that we've cultivated Mm. to use, you know, those that verse from Esther. And then your friend said like, for such a time Mm -hmm. as this shout out to John Mark too. He's given several talks using that, that story. So Mm. again, wish he was here, but um, I uh, was also struck when you mentioned shout out to your friend too, from the beginning of the episode, but like where you said, she used that phrase as saying for Mm -hmm. such a time as this, this is what, why we do it almost like mm-hmm. such a time as now I'm ready for it. And I, I'm struck by that because I think I would have liked to think that was me. And I, I feel the healthy weight of man, there's something not, I don't say wrong. I'm not trying to beat myself up, but it, it's been cathartic to think about, Oh man, my foundation was shaken a little, easier than I even realized it could have been. And yeah, there's, there's just, there's something that I need to be honest about in this. It doesn't mean zero sum game and give up, but it does Mm -hmm. mean why wasn't that my reaction when Mm -hmm. I, when I think I would have said, Oh yeah, I'm I'm ready. Like I'm ready. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm nothing's going to shake me. I can't, I'm not going to give up. And then like that, I was like, is this worth it? Like asking mm-hmm. that the next minute. So, you mm-hmm. know, um, that was 
I just want to be transparent for people listening of where, I, I don't know, like the ins and outs, I guess. I don't know the depths of where this can take us sometimes. Um, it, yeah. In, in these spaces, a couple, um, what I, what I mentioned, honestly, the, my, uh, mentor that I mentioned and a friend, actually, this is two separate people, but in, uh, the large book, whole three chapters, Habakkuk and, uh, in <laughs> scripture, this, this hit the nail on the head. This is what I was going to say. It's like, man, I never, like, I would never have thought to go to this book, but, um, she sent me this, um, this is Habakkuk one verse two. So, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong destruction and violence are before me strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. I mean, that, that hit the nail on the head for me of like, okay, this is, this is me. Like Mm -hmm. he's, (laughs) he's asking God the same questions, you know, you know, we're asking and you know, that was comforting. And then, um, Another verse was Ephesians 6, 9. Um, or no, wait, I lost it. Um, it's the one, do not grow weary in well-doing. Um, oh, Galatians 6, 9? Yeah, oh, I'm in Ephesians. Yeah, Galatians 6, 9. Yeah, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So kind of those two verse sections have been kind of comforting for me to mm. meditate on some. Um, yeah. All right. So we're coming up, um, kind of come coming up on that hour mark. And I wanted to kind of end a little bit with some maybe helpful advice for people listening. But I, I also, before I ask this, don't know if we're going to be able to give any, but I did want to say, <laughs> like, I think, maybe the backdrop for people listening and this is even for me a little bit, but like, how do we do what we're saying? You know what I'm saying? Like and move forward. Um, some things that come to mind are like, I think the threshold is different for everybody. And, and a lot mm-hmm. of times it can be, Oh, I'm gonna start caring about this because my, f- my friend is this or fits that demographic or was affected because they were around that area or stuff like that. And, in fairness we talk about i think we both said stuff like that to people in the sense and with that sentiment of like imagine if it was you know me or this person that we know like that's why we Mm -hmm. should care i think there's truth to that because i think the personal connections matter Mm -hmm. i can also get very cynical with that sentiment because that comes back full circle of it also shouldn't take that happening like you shouldn't take your friend having a bad experience with the police especially much less being killed by the police for you to believe that police brutality is a real thing and Mm -hmm. something needs to be done to stop it um at the same time there's always terrible stuff going on i don't Mm -hmm. care about everything Mm -hmm. the way i care about this like so like i think that's kind of the almost the rhetorical question out there in people's heads help help us out like what do you have anything to say to that of like what how we can move into 
helping or caring about this stuff um, actively, I guess. Yeah, that's... um, (laughs) I mean, you can't make someone care, you know? I think that's part of what we've tried to fight for for a little while, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that's some of what came out in 2020 was like, what y'all been doing? Where y'all been? We need you to care. Like, this is real. And it's Mm -hmm. literally all over the social media. And, you know, again, here we are almost three years later. And so... Yeah, I think that's why I'm at even a point of like, I can't make someone care about police brutality or gun reform or the plight of the black community. Um, uh, but yeah, I just can't, I can't, I can be faithful to to point people to resources. I can be faithful to share. And I think it's hard because like you said, we, we, I don't care about all the issues in our, in our world, in our nation, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so I've grown, I feel like, in my capacity to hold that tension. Um, I think I will speak to people who say they follow Jesus, like you would proclaim to be a follower of Jesus. Um, I think our part of part of being a follower of Jesus is we care about our neighbor. And our neighbor, right? Someone asked that question in the gospel to Jesus. Well, who's my neighbor? Mm. Right? Uh, it's people it's not just not just who's next door to you right um Mm -hmm. and so that is part of what should propel us Uh, if we follow jesus right like the compassion and the love of jesus is what should compel us to care to some degree i'm not saying people need to take up arms and you know be this racial justice advocate now and all those things right but are you being faithful in the spaces that you're in whether it's having conversations with your family uh or it's who you're learning from, even when it's uncomfortable, right? Like some of those voices, whether you're reading or you're on a podcast or uh, maybe a news source that you don't typically listen to just to hear another perspective, right? I'm not saying you, I agree with every perspective, but um, yeah, I, I do think it's, it's challenging. Um, but again, I think the heart of it's like, I can't force people to care about this. Um so if you don't care, just say you don't care and let's keep it moving. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Like, but if you say you care, yes, it's overwhelming. I get overwhelmed. Like uh, literally like we're grappling with so much that has happened on a national level. Mind you, I carried a lot of grief with me from 2022 into this year. Mm-hmm. Um I had a lot of loss in my family and then literally 2 days after Christmas, we had to put our dog down of 12 years. For non-dog people, you probably you're like, okay, but like it it unearthed more grief for me and my family that carried mm. over into the start of this year for me. So like everyone's got their own stuff that they got going on too. And then shooting after shooting after shooting, police brutality, like a war in Ukraine, like there's all we were inundated with so much tragedy around the world. And so I get that it's yeah. overwhelming. Um I, my encouragement is like fight, fight, like being paralyzed by all the tragedy. Right. Um, yeah. we pray for certain things There's certain things that we feel God compels us to act on. There's certain ways we engage. Um, but to not engage at all is not, uh, to like honor God and to be faithful, um, to what it means to follow Jesus. So I don't know if I'm really answering your question, but cause it's no, I, a very yeah. broad, complex, uh, answer. <laughs> I set you up and I said, we might you not did. have anything. You did. So 
I would just say, if you say you care, you have to ask yourself the question, how does that, how does that actually show up? Like, am Mm -hmm. I just saying it? And I think we need to kind of audit ourselves and I need to do this, right? Like I have to check myself because I can be huffed up like, oh yeah, like this is what I do. And I know these things. And I'm like, check myself like, okay, Lethia, when have you spent your money in this place? When have you thought Mm -hmm. about this? When have Mm -hmm. you read about this? When have you been in these spaces? When have you checked yourself when you did feel that stereotype come up? Did you actually address that? (laughs) I have to do that. So Mm -hmm. I think there's an opportunity for us now, three years later from the intensity of 2020 to take some inventory and audit and say, okay, I do care, but what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And where can I grow? Man, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't checked on my bookshelf in a while and I'm, I'm missing some things or man, I need to switch up my podcast when I'm listening to, or dang, there's that group I've been meaning to check out locally that I've maybe just been afraid to. Why have I been afraid? Yeah. What's stirred up in me? Huh? Ask those questions and then lean into that. I I think that's part of, and doing it with people. Like that's the part. I, I was just on the phone with a friend earlier today She's white. She lives out in California. And she was sharing with me just some intentional choices her and her husband have made with their kids where they play soccer and football and all that. And they could go to the bougie, you know, rich white spaces, but they're like, no, we're not doing that. We're going to be local in our community, which means they're engaging with a lot of Spanish speaking families. Uh, so mm. she's helping translate emails. And um, she gave me an example, their, their middle son, he's 10. They were going to pick up a couple of their friends. This is just normal for these boys. And uh, her son said to said to them, "I it sounds like the dad is angry, but I, I I don't think he's angry. I think he's speaking in Spanish, and I just think his tone is different." And I was like, mm. "There it is." Ten years old, he picked up on a, a cultural difference, and he didn't yeah. demonize it and say it was anger. It was yeah. this is just how this plays out culturally for him. And she was like, it was, she was like, I teared up when he said it. She said, but then I had to check myself because what, what rose up in me from what I've been, uh, the ideology and the things I've been told for like almost, you know, 40 years of her life. Mm. <laughs> and so I'm like, gosh, kids have so much to teach us. It was so beautiful. I love that she yeah, shared that with me. That's amazing. It's something like that where a kid points something out that's just normal for them. What do I feel? What am I feeling? And then yeah. am I engaging in community to wrestle with those things or to say, Hey, Hey David, can you come with me? Like I'm, I want to engage this, but I'm nervous or I'm scared or I don't want to say the wrong thing. Can you go with me? We have, we're only going to grow and really, um, um, I, I, I like to talk about like collective healing, collective like liberation. Cause if I experience liberation and you don't, it, we're missing something. Mm-hmm. So we need to be doing more things together and not just on our own to try to f- fix our, ourselves or be huffed up on pride that we're doing so much. So I think when we're in community with other people too, it actually helps us be held accountable and also encourages us and exposes us to other people that we may not, that may not be in our current sphere of how we're learning and who we're doing life with. Yeah. That's my answer. That's great. Question. Oh, that was great. <laughs> Loved it. Um, no, seriously, man, it was really helpful. Um, I got, I don't have anything to actually add to that. My, uh, I knew I was going to ask that. So I thought a little bit about it, <laughs> but this is a good segue. Uh, Cause I'm going to mm. plug you a little bit as we wrap up, but um, mm. man, I'll just, 
I'm okay saying that I think people listening, like y'all, especially our white friends, like y'all could share our podcast like with people mm-hmm. on social media. Yep. Word of mouth is great, but social media is, I think, to me, I was just thinking, I was like, okay, what's some like mm-hmm. sharing it like in your story or like saying, you know, writing a little something about, I don't know, like writing a review, doing something and like showing some solidarity and doing that. Like some people that's going to seem like a really big deal. Some people are going to seem like that's really small. I think it's could, it doesn't really matter. It could be both. Um, I think that it's a, yes, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's very small, but I think you agree at least like people who like you're, you're, not yours, but like people listening, your followers, when you start to post stuff like that, people are going to think something about you. And that that's, a, I don't say this lightly. I say this like an individual level, like that is, I think a way to consider entering into being open about being real about this stuff. And, you know, I, it means something different coming from our white friends. It just does. I'm not purposely trying just to like, hey, you know, you get out there and advertise for a podcast by any means. What I'm saying that's just something that concretely came to my mind of like, it does, like, it does. I do like literally see it make a difference on like who shares certain, like, certain mm-hmm. things. What I'm not saying is everyone go out there and be somebody or not. Like, listen, like, I don't repost stuff that I don't, mm-hmm. that I don't read. Like, I don't repost just a, um, Instagram graphic that I haven't, that's like referring to an article that I haven't, that I haven't read. Mm-hmm. I, I, I try not to do that because I, like, I don't think that's the way to go about it. I also don't want people to not listen to our podcast and just post it because they like know us. That might seem like a nice sentiment, but no, I want like, you need, I think part of entering into it, like this is a good example, like posting it means that you also stand behind it. Like don't mm-hmm. be willing to, take the smoke that comes at you if it comes of like, Oh, you agree with what they're saying on here. I don't, you know, I don't know. You don't have to agree with everything, but be willing to enter, have that be a conversation starter for you. Um, and then, you know, concrete thing that you can keep doing is, you know, be informed, but then voting matters. Mm-hmm. I know that can be a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, as you talked about people fought, died for the right to vote. Like it's something we take super lightly, but is extremely convenient um and easy to do for most of us mm-hmm. um but yeah be vote or vote be informed um i think is another like concrete way mm-hmm. um but speaking of sharing our podcast <laughs> leith i just listened to the intro to season two of the roll down yeah yeah thank god it's coming back oh my god hey no nah, for real though <laughs> yes um it man I'm so excited. I'm pretty, I'm actually kind of annoyed that you put out just an intro and it wasn't an actual episode because I was like, because I always saw that season two came back and you said that. I was like, all right, I'm going to get him in. I'm going to listen to that. And then yeah. I was like, I, should, I don't need to hear an intro. I know what, I know what this is about. I want to hear an episode. So anyway, That's the fair. roll down. That's fair. Yeah, roll down. <laughs> Leith and her co-host, Matthew Melendrez. Uh, yeah, man. It's so good. Hmm. Um, I think we talk about some similar things, listeners, but you should check. I, I mean this, like the way I think y'all said, uh, I, 
I mean, I'll see like there's like tiers, like the my like the majors, the minors, and then like double A. I'll put myself, I'll give myself a double A, be triple A, and then like because you guys in the intro referred to like pass the mic and uh, truce table, which it's like, you know, yeah, there's the major yeah. leagues. Yes, but then I'm gonna tell people. You said pause if you haven't listened, then go listen past the mic. I'm gonna say pause. Hmm. Fine, listen to y'all, y'all. <laughs> man, it's so good. Part of the what chasing chasing justice yeah part of the chasing justice podcast network network and you guys man give like give a little you guys did a whole intro episode everyone listened to that but Mm -hmm. can you give an i say elevator pitch for what season two is going to be about yeah great question um and i i received that uh you don't want an intro you want an episode i feel that um which we actually do in our episode coming out uh a week from thursday whatever it is, February like 9th or something. Uh, we actually use that to um, share more of why we were away for a year and a half. We didn't mm-hmm. want to do that in our opener because um, it's really heavy and it's a lot. And so, um, yeah, yeah it, it, thanks for even just acknowledging it and just celebrating with us because it, it really does mean a lot. Um, it took a lot for me and Matthew to be able to get back behind the mic and have the capacity to do what we're doing. Um, life really tried to take us out in a lot of ways. Um, not, mm. not, not to us per se, like our, not my body, but really my body in the way that so much grief and trauma and loss happened over the last couple of years. So anyways, it just feels really good to be back. We are really excited. So yeah, some of what we are wanting, hoping to do, wanting to do with season two, is not just be reactive to things, but really mm. create space for what does it look like to uh, engage in like collective healing um, uh, together and how do, how do we do that? And so we want to resource people. Uh, Matthew and I have been through some stuff and um, are equipped in some new, new ways. And so we want to share that with people. Um, we have yeah. similar tracks and then things that are very different in our lives too. And so, uh, we want to help resource people as we are trying wanting or as we're centering people of color, um, a very, again, broad audience in that sense. Um, but that's some of what we're wanting to do. And so what does healing look like? What is how we resource one another? How do we celebrate things together too? Um, and so there's definitely will be heaviness in there. And then there's, there's just going to be some really rich stuff too. And it'll be more, um, Sandra actually challenged Matthew and I to, um, uh, show up more of just the two of us. We had some bomb guests in season one. If you guys haven't listened to season one, I'm going to pitch that. Just, it was incredible. We both, both true. I agree. Like God was so kind of us. Phenomenal guests. We were shook um, every time people said yes. We were like, what? Yeah. Great guests. What? (laughs) I love to hear more from y'all too. Yeah. So we, we hear that and, um, and we're excited about that. So you'll, people will get to hear more from us too and, and who we are, what we're doing. And um, it's an honor to hold that space. And mm. um, I think it's like you said, you want this space to be cathartic and, you know, healing for people that we want that to be the same for the roll down. It's very cathartic for Matthew and I, and it's a very healing thing. Um, and we hope that that is for people who listen to. So that was a really long, like 25 floors elevator ride. Yeah, it's all good. Um, yeah. Sandra, <laughs> um, Sandra's episode on Be the Bridge was fire. Mm. I love that. Uh, that episode was amazing. Sandra's amazing. She, she really yeah. is. It is an honor 
that we get to be part of the Chasing Justice Podcast Network and mm. get to work with her and be mentored by her along with Tyler Burns. So yeah. pass the mic. Like it just is such a gift. Um, yeah. So shout out to them because that's part of what yes. contributes to um, how how our podcast is. So Absolutely. we don't do it alone. You know, like I was saying, you need people and we do it in community. Yeah. So, all right, we're not always about stats, but I mean, seriously, y'all go listen to the roll down when it comes out February 9th. I mean, y'all shared this. It's, I'll just like double it, down. Like, it's out got, though. Like, it's out. So just, you know, subscribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, subscribe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Subscribe, yeah. do the reviews, do the yeah. five-star thing. You can also do that for mine too, but. <laughs> yes. Wait, that, did you mention, good. like, I mean, you put this out there, so I'm just going to, uh, what, 15,000 downloads on season one? Y'all, that's, I'm not going <laughs> to say all my analytics because I'm not going to show all my cards right now, but. That's a freaking ton. Yeah. That's for a season. I'm still I mean, shook by how that. How many episodes was that? <laughs> 18. Okay, yeah. That's 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 nuts. <laughs> okay, oh, congrats. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know y'all never like that's uh yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Y'all aren't, doing, don't, it for, y'all aren't yeah. doing it for the numbers, but those numbers are nice. Yeah, and it, it does mean something. Like I, I'm able to hold I'm able to hold numbers, I feel like loosely. I'm I don't I have this tension a lot with, with results and numbers. Like I just do. Um, mm. like I don't, um, it's so much more than that. I, I don't want to minimize it either. Like I know that's significant. Right. And the fact that people are listening and subscribing and that episodes are downloading and people are engaging it. Like that's what, that's what that tells me. Right. And so it's very mm. overwhelming. Like when I saw the number, I was like, what the heck? Like, how how sway like how god you Mm -hmm. know um and also like so humbled and and so much gratitude um that something that we we talked about in 2018 uh three years later that's that's kind of what it's been so anyways uh i I appreciate acknowledging that and i know i need to acknowledge it i don't want to minimize it and i also um i don't put too much on that you know like i'm grateful that's what it for i feel like that's what it tells me it's like i'm just really grateful like God's doing something with it. So I'm going to keep being faithful Absolutely. to show up to do what we can for the time that we can. Absolutely. Receive that. I'll let you go. Thank you so much for coming on. As always, you'll obviously be back. I don't even need to say that. Um, <laughs> shout out, John Mark. We missed you. But um, yeah, we'll do it again. Um, best of luck with season two of the roll down. Thank you. I'm eagerly anticipating the release of the rest of that um <laughs> look thank you guys especially if you listen last two episodes um yeah like like we've been talking about the whole time it's helpful for us personally but we love engaging with all y'all that are listening um thank you guys the music you're listening to is done by our guy dylan dent our artwork is created by ashley bush and we'll see y'all next time The nightmare might scare you, the worst, the reality. They hunt you by day, y'all rap here, my Aubrey. Everybody got a time, but that's less than comforting. I hope I'm alive by the time they choose to come for me. Mosquitoes in the vein, or leeches on my soul. This money on my mind is a fracture of my bones. You get crippled by continuing existence like a ghost. And they wonder why we drink, and they wonder why we smoke. And they wonder why we think that everything's a joke. I'm shocked that we can sleep, must be the thought of letting go. Thank you.